0: Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Welcome, everyone, to Community IT Innovators
1: Voices interview. Today, I'm very happy to be interviewing Matt Eshelman. So Matt, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Um, sure. Thanks uh, for the intro, Carolyn. So my name is Matthew Eshelman, and I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at Community IT. Uh, and actually, as of uh, this this week, uh, which is in January of 2023, I'm celebrating my uh, 21st anniversary as a full-time employee at Community IT.
1: Congratulations, So um, that's my first question is, um, can you talk a little bit about your career path and when you joined Community IT, what did you do?
2: Sure. Um, So actually, even though I'm celebrating my 21st anniversary as a full-time employee, I actually started as an intern in the summer of 2000 uh, as part of my university program at Eastern Mennonite University. I was coming to D.C. to participate in a program that they called the Washington Study Service Year. Uh, And so that combined a year uh, in D.C. living in a group house, uh, doing kind of part-time volunteer work, and then taking classes part-time and living in community. And my internship was uh, at uh, community IT. And so I started a little bit early um, so I could kind of get a jump start on living in DC and just having that experience and um, was able to get connected with community IT, who uh, c- was able to combine, you know, kind of a part time uh, tech work. So uh, during that first year, I did IT support at a nursing home. Um, and then I also taught after school um computer classes at the Thurgood Marshall Center, uh, which was located in the YMCA just off of uh, U Street in DC.
1: It seems like a long way from from starting as an intern to being the um, the what is your title? Can you, you
2: say <laughs> Chief, Chief Technology Officer, you. CTO, <laughs> Chief yeah. Chief Technology
1: Officer. Yeah. <laughs> so as Chief Technology Officer, um, what do you do in a in a typical day?
2: Um, well, you know, no day is typical, <laughs> and uh, I kind of have a, a dual-focused role in that I'm responsible uh, for the oversight, you know, architecture and management of what we call our centralized services team. So, at Community IT, we provide managed IT services to uh, almost 200 nonprofit organizations that represents about 6,500 devices. Um, so, I oversee the the team that's really responsible for managing. The tools and technology that we use to, you know, handle all of those endpoints. Um, so that's kind of one big area uh, of focus. And then the other area of focus is more, you know, client facing. Um, in terms of working with larger organizations to help them plan and architect you know, more sophisticated technology solutions that may be required for their, um, for their organization. So in that role, I really work a lot uh, more closely with our IT business managers and the projects team uh, to develop requirements and kind of figure out the best technology solutions that would be appropriate for, for those organizations.
1: Can you talk a little bit about that IT business manager team and their role, and how that helps uh, clients of Community IT?
2: Yeah, I think it's something that's unique that Community IT does. Um, you know, I think early on we have really taken a relationship-driven approach to the technology support that we do. Uh, you know, I think we've recognized that. The actual technology piece of, of the work is, is relatively small. It's super important, but it is relatively small. I mean, the big thing that we focus on is, I think, helping organizations, you know, use and adopt appropriate technology solutions. And that really involves a lot of planning. It involves understanding the organization, understands how their staff, you know, how they use technology, you know, the tools that are available. Um, and so that IT business management role was really developed and um, you know kind of created as a separate entity within Community IT a number of years back, um, because what we found is that uh, you know there's really some specialization that's required to operate networks. So we have centralized services that's really focused on consistency and operating at scale. You know, so we look at our network as you know 6,500 devices in 200 sites. So we we really want to take a, a consistent and automated approach to supporting that. You know, we have engineers who are very good at projects and, and really great at the technology. Um, and then we have this whole separate role of IT business managers who are really focused on working with our clients to, again, understand their budgeting cycle, their financial requirements, their operating requirements. Uh, and then they can kind of relate those specific requests back to the different teams um, so that we can kind of get the, the right people playing the right roles at our, at our client.
1: That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what would you say is your favorite thing about your job
2: at Community IT? Um, well, I really like the fact that I have, uh, you know, I get to work at a tech company that has lots of great employees. I think we're almost at 50 staff right now. And uh, I think we've got great people, you know, great employee owners working at Community IT who are really dedicated to their job, they're experts, um, and they're always willing to share you know, what they know. Um, So I think that's great to feel like I've got the support of a a huge, you know, bench of tech staff. Uh, And then I really enjoy the client work that we get to do. I mean, working with so many different organizations, seeing how they're uh, using technology to, you know, support their mission uh, or get, you know, get out of the way so that they can really focus on their work is really energizing to me and to just kind of see how many different organizations uh, we get to affect. So whenever I, you know, See people in the news or hear them on the radio. Uh, you know, I really love uh, knowing that community IT has played a role in you know getting that organization to where they are.
1: I know. I it's such a great feeling when you're like, and we help them, we support <laughs> them to do that cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like you were interested in technology, you know, even as a college student, and you knew you were going to have a technology career. Um, do you have advice for other maybe students or people who are starting out in a tech career? Are there certain certifications that you should get, or like you did, do an in, find an internship that kind of combines your interests? Like how how do you start in nonprofit technology?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think it. Um... You know, it helps to to figure out what what you like and, and what you're good at. And, you know, I was really fortunate in that, you know, the, the college experience I had included that internship element. And I think without that internship element, you know, I, I wouldn't have ended up at community IT, certainly. Um, and I, you know, it may have taken me, I think, a lot longer to to end up at a place where I really felt comfortable. So I think to me, um, having some kind of internship or volunteer experience is really helpful. Um, so for me, you know, I was a, a computer science major. Uh, I have a you know, math minor and a, and a degree in computer information systems. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be in the tech space. But it wasn't until I came, you know, to DC and had that internship experience where I realized that the things that were really appealing to me were working with end users. You know, doing some of the network administration side, and um, you know, it wasn't the coding and, and development. Uh, that that was appealing to me uh, you know I'm, I'm an outgoing person I like that social interaction and so you know meeting and interacting with clients you know going from place to place that was that was all like really energizing to me and if all I had was kind of a you know kind of a, a background in, in in coursework kind of doing coding projects uh, I don't think that you know that gift of of being connected with people would have been realized. And so I, I do think for folks that are starting out, um, finding ways to get connected with, you know, volunteer opportunities or internships uh, or other service as a way to, to do some self exploration, to figure out, you know, what you like, what you're good at, what you have talents in uh, is really important way to start. And then the, you know, the certifications and, and all of that stuff can come later. And I do think technology is one of those fields where, um, you, know, you don't necessarily have to have a tech degree background to get started i mean I think that may be shifting a little bit um you know but i look around at the colleagues that i have at community it and you know some of the most talented people don't have you know a tech background they don't have a tech degree but they have aptitude for it and they've kind of cultivated over time and then maybe they've supplemented um you know that learning with some additional certifications uh, which again can can always be added on always be added on later so.
1: That makes sense. Um, I'm guessing that cybersecurity was not as big a part of your role when you started 23 years ago. That is definitely something that's changed a lot. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you got interested in it and how, you know, I know you as somebody who kind of heads up our, how we handle cybersecurity and you talk a lot about it in different webinars and um, speaking engagements. So how, how did that come about?
2: Yeah, I think certainly whenever I started at community IT, you know, back in 2000, there wasn't, uh, at least at community IT, there wasn't a you know a whole separate discipline around cybersecurity. You know, we certainly had best practices for how we would expect to set things up and, you know, good practices that we would follow. Um, but that really, I think, has changed over time. I think certainly there wasn't the same scale of kind of criminal uh you know, cyber crime that exists now, you know, you see that certainly in the the FBI reports over time. I mean, that's something that's really accelerated a lot just over the last, um, you know, five to 10 years. And so there wasn't kind of the same degree of threats, you know, uh, we've always had antivirus on our networks that we supported, you know, we've always, uh, encouraged clients to have good passwords, but I think the kind of the scale and complexity of, of kind of what is considered cybersecurity certainly has expanded. Um, and so i do think in relate in reaction to uh, i think the rise of cybercrime as, as kind of a financially motivated uh, activity to to kind of break into networks and either you know try to deploy ransomware or just you know straight up um you know dupe people or con them into you know buying gift cards or updating uh, wire transfer information you know there has needed to be um you know a really separate and added focus on protecting an organization and protecting their data. So, um, you know, I think it came out of our approach of having, you know, just good IT practices. uh, And then those certainly have evolved to keep up with the, you know, the attacks that we see uh, across the networks that, that we support.
1: And so when you expressed an interest in taking this on or becoming like our internal expert in this, how did community IT support you in that? Like I've been mm-hmm. interested over these interviews um, that people um they don't stay stuck in. Like if you start on help desk, you're you're not necessarily on help desk forever. There's lots of opportunities mm-hmm. to be interested in something, sometimes people are able to create, you know, a job category, a job description for themselves. So how how did that work with with you?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So certainly, you know, I started as an intern, you know, working 20 hours a week. And of that, you know, only maybe eight to 10 was actually doing tech work. Um, so I was a, what we called back then a network administrator. So a, a tier one technician. And then after about a year or two, um, you know, then I pr- was promoted to network engineer. Um, and so back in those days, every tech, you know, kind of had a stable of clients that they were responsible for. So uh, we didn't have any centralized management. And so, you know, I I moved up as an engineer and then I had the clients that I supported and I did everything from technical escalation from the tier ones that I was responsible for uh, to the projects at the client. Um, You know, and then that kind of became uh, more specialized. And uh, I think I became then a team lead responsible for a number of uh, techs. Um, And then, you know, I think we have been developing the business over time. So there are, you know community it of 2000 looks a lot different than you know community it of, of 2023 in that there are jobs and and responsibilities and uh titles that just never even never existed back then and so we've done a lot of that you know business innovation along the way to figure out you know what jobs need to be done to support our clients uh what positions maybe need to be created to uh encourage and, and take advantage of the skills that our staff have. Um, and so I remember, you know, I think my first, you know, um, I don't know, more senior level title was, I think completely made up. You know, I, I, I think I re- even wrote the own d- job description. I said, you know, I think I, I I'm, I'm going to be the director of professional network services. Like that sounds like a cool title, uh, it has director in it, has professional in it, in it. I don't know that it made sense outside of any, you know, any context, but. Uh, you know, and working with the leadership at community IT, they're like, okay, sure. Like we see that you've got some skills and talents in in kind of the planning and architecture area. And so as we were growing and uh, evolving as a company, you know, that was a role that said, okay, you can move into. And then I think the same way, I mean, the CTO position never existed before uh, I, you know, essentially wrote the job description and and talked to Johan who's now the CEO and said hey like I really think I'm the am the CTO like that's a role that <laughs> that I think I'm doing already uh, and here's the job description and and you know let's figure out a way to to make that transition happen and so um you know a lot of it was you know evolving over time and and creating new new job titles and new responsibilities in reaction to where we were as a company uh, and the needs of our clients and uh, the skills and talents of our, of our staff. So yeah, we have some, maybe some unique uh, job titles at community IT because it has been largely a, um, uh, an environment where, you know, we, we tend to hire a lot of junior staff and then cultivate them and grow them up. Um, So we don't have not hired a lot of outside senior level techs from other organizations. Um, And so it's, uh, it's felt like a very um, solid and organic growth plan that we've had. That's um, really had strong leadership um, built in throughout it over, over the years.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. So um, can you, since you are a cybersecurity expert while I have you here, could you talk about maybe a couple of things that are like, absolutely all nonprofits need to have in terms of cybersecurity.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, the, I don't know, the less glamorous truth is I think a lot of cybersecurity, uh, you know, is not all, you know, hackers and hoodies and like what's the most sophisticated thing that we can do to protect ourselves and, you know, how are we going to, you know, hack back the people that are getting us, but it, it, it really comes down to uh, fundamental Security controls that every organization needs to have in place, and so I think that's why uh, we've taken a pretty um, measured and deliberative approach to cybersecurity. I don't get um, you know super uh, excited or I think distracted about you know what's the latest security breach to come out because I think if organizations have good foundational plans in place. Whatever the next breach is, shouldn't actually impact their their plan. And so the plan that you know I think all organizations need to follow is really grounded, um, you know, in foundational elements such as having an IT acceptable use policy for your organization. You know, having clearly communicated standards about here's the technology that we use at the organization. Here's um, you know how it's expected to be deployed. Here are the information systems we have. Here's the sensitive data that we are you know, that we have to have, you know, we don't want to collect more data than, you know, we actually need to use. Um, We're going to provide security awareness training for our staff to help educate them, Um, you know, because, you know, as much as the, you know, again, the buzz is around, you know, these sophisticated hackers, like finding some website vulnerability and, and penetrating their way into the network through some, you know, sophisticated zero day attacks, The fact is, most attacks are originating through email, um, tricking staff into clicking on links, you know, giving up their password, even maybe giving up their multi-factor authentication, and then breaking in that way. And so, uh, for organizations that can, you know, educate and help train their staff, you know, that's a great resource. And then, you know, on top of that, making sure that every uh, account has good passwords. Protected by an app-based multi-factor authentication, so that you know if that password or when that password is inevitably taken, then you know you've got that additional layer of uh, multi-factor authentication control in place. So again, we uh, in the work that we do, we certainly encounter really sophisticated um, attacks, um, and so there you know there may be more that you know that organizations need to do, and, and we work with organizations to implement you know a lot more sophisticated controls but you know when it really comes down to it having staff who are engaged and aware and kind of know what to do whenever they see something that's you know looks strange uh that's an important foundational step and having good strong passwords with multi-factor authentication that's another critical step and then making sure computers are up to date are protected with um you know a good antivirus package uh you know that really gives you some good building blocks to make sure that your organization is protected against what the most common attacks are going to be.
1: Um, That makes sense. Um, I I know that a lot of people have stereotypes around technology and people who work in technology, and some of them are fair and some of them are not fair. Um, Do you have any, um, I guess, observations on personality types and traits that really help people work at community IT?
2: Um, yeah, I think that's a, a good question. And I would say uh over time, I think community IT has become a better place to work for people with different with different types of skills. I think, you know, in the early days because the because of the way we work, right? Everybody was kind of their own island and responsible for, you know, doing all the things. It it was really a type, you know, if you were extroverted and and uh you know, were a good problem solver and you know, really detail oriented, like those were kind of the the people that were really successful at community IT. Um, I think over time, as we've developed more uh, specialization, then it creates opportunities for people with different skills and abilities to, to join community IT. So again, like I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm responsible for our centralized services team, like they don't ever really talk to clients at all because they're you know really backend focused. and so I think people there, yeah, they tend to be more introverted, but they're really um they have a high degree, I think of responsibility um, and ownership over the platforms that they support. so even they're even though they're you know kind of one step removed from engaging with our clients, uh, you know they, they still have that core uh, connection to um, um, being open, being you know sharing the knowledge that they have, and um, being feeling a high degree of responsibility. You know, I think you know folks who work on a service desk and are answering the phones, uh, you know, they tend to be again really detail oriented, um, really personable, and you know, kind of have that friendly, engaging um, uh, demeanor so that they can you know react and respond to to people who are having like frustrating technology challenges that like just need to get fixed. Um, And then again, we've got this whole it business management team that really um, is, is a less technical role. You know, they're not necessarily fixing the most detailed problems, but you know, those, the folks in that team uh, again, are a lot, you know, are client facing, um, and then they maybe have more gifts and um, capabilities around, yeah, strategic planning or requirements analysis. Uh, and so, you know, so I think over time that is one thing that we've, I've really appreciated at community IT is that we've been able to, uh, you know, create some different specialization and get people into positions where they can play to their strengths and they can do things that they are, uh, they're good at and they enjoy. And then, you know, from a company perspective that, you know, provide value to our clients. So taking that, you know, strengths-based approach, I think has been good for community IT and, and given us, I think the long employee retention that we have, you know, people come to community IT and they tend to stay a long time because I think it's a great place to work. We get to work with a lot of really fantastic organizations. And people are in jobs where, yeah, they're good at what they do and they're not um, you know, beat up for, for weaknesses that they have, but they're put into positions where they can use their strengths to, um, to be successful
1: that is one thing that in these interviews i've found there's a lot of job satisfaction and a lot of work life balance as well mm-hmm. for sure so um i think when you this is a question i i often ask people and i get asked as well so when you are asked like what does community it do <laughs> or what do you do at community it but what does community it do what what do you tell people
2: so yeah i think i first start with just we provide IT services to nonprofit organizations. So that's kind of the baseline. And depending on on the response from there, uh, you know, I, I would go on, you know, I think for, for people that work at like really large organizations, um, they don't quite under, you know, understand that. I think for people that work at, you know, small organizations or particularly other nonprofits are like, oh, yeah, like we have. You know, then the conversation go from there, talking a little bit more about our outsourced IT services, you know, and cybersecurity, I think, has become quite um, buzzy in the last couple of years. And so talking about how community IT supports organizations from from a cybersecurity perspective, um, often, you know, we'll continue the conversation or we'll get a lot more interest.
1: Thank you so much, Matt, for for taking this time to talk to me and uh, letting me know all about your 23 years at Community IT. Congratulations again, and thank you.
2: Great. Thanks, Carolyn. It's been really fun talking uh, with you about this. And um, yeah, talking about Community IT and just thinking about the last 23 years and and kind of all the, the growth and evolution that's happened over that time.
0: Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders. And you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.